What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Questions You Never Thought to Ask, the White Water Kayak Podcast. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Nuri Newman, and we're going to talk about expedition kayaking uh, things. Before we get started, I would like to issue another apology for being once again uh, off timetable with these podcasts this year. I'm sorry that I have not been able to keep on a bi-weekly schedule, but I am optimistic that we'll be back on track uh, coming into 2020 here. But let's get this started. Um, Nuria, the last few years you've been teamed up a lot with Dan Stooksbury and Eric Boomer to complete some savage expeditions. Um, in my opinion, the most notable one was that, like, uh, the one in Wyoming, like the elbow duck, um, you know what I'm talking about? The, the big horns. The Tetons, yeah, the big horns. That thing was savage. Um, but you've done a bunch of other trips with them, and you're already a pretty accomplished expedition paddler before joining forces with them. What are the three biggest things that you have learned um, from them, and what are the three things that you feel like you've brought to the team? Um, ooh, tough question, Seth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've been overall like so lucky to just be able to join Ben and Boomer on trips because they have so much more experience than I have when it comes to expedition kayaking. Um, and I've learned hips, you know, like I'm probably I can find three things I've learned, but there's probably like over 50. Um, I'd say we got time, so if you want to go to 50, like uh, I'm I can't really go to 50, it'd be, it'd be a little bit boring. But I think um, what I've learned from Ben, uh, and that's how we started the team picnic thing, is I've learned that sometimes if you want to be efficient, you need to take time, which means like rather than just like trying to push it and go fast sometimes you just need to step back and go a little bit slower because that enables you to actually like save some energy and so what we've been doing um on some of those trips and especially on the bayhorns and i was pretty surprised when we would not make much progress and then you know we'd still be far away and we'd just stop for lunch for a picnic and I'd see Ben just taking all of his gear off and I'd be like, all right, well, we're we're stopping for a picnic. It doesn't mean you have to like take your dry suit off and dry your gear and start sunbathing. And then I've I've realized that because you actually have a proper like 30 minute break, then, you know, you almost like eat and take a nap and you're just so much more efficient and have like so much more like awareness of, um, of what's happening next, you know, and, and you're willing to put so much more work because you've had those 30 minutes, which my first kind of instinct would have been like, no, 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 we're running out of time. We're like, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then I would have probably kept going until you crash and make it like way less feathered than, than with the picnic. Um, and then when it gets hard, uh, boomers, is really amazing because it just like it just never stops like it doesn't seems to be like hurting or whatever and yeah he's an animal i really want to have him on the podcast it's just it's just impressive to just see him like not stopping and whenever it gets really hard he just like start imposing this sort of like of like rule where 
okay, we on for that many minutes, and then we have this much minute breaks. This many minutes and this minute break. And it doesn't really make sense when you're like doing good, because when you're doing good, you kind of start getting in your own like sort of sort of like rhythm. But when you get really tired, if you start following your body or your mind, you just start really slugging. And so having Boomer like put that like sort of like strict um, minute on minute off things has been it's been really helpful. Um, and then I think the main main thing would be the teamwork. Uh, it's been really impressive going on trips with those guys, and maybe that's why I've been struggling on other trips with other people um, afterwards, because I think those guys got me used to always working as a team. So like, if I'm struggling to pull the boat up a cliff, they're just gonna help me out. And then whoever's first is gonna get out on shore and put their boat like way higher to make sure that the others can put the boat. And eventually they're even gonna help the others to pull out the boats. And so we've kind of been like working in this, in this sort of like setup where everything is made for the group and not just for ourselves and it makes I feel like on big trips it makes everything so much easier because you no longer have you know everyone is having highs and lows at different times and it's just naturally like start to compensate where if the person that feels better will go in the front and start like reading and running the rapids and and then if that person gets tired of something else like someone's gonna like step in and it's it's been really natural so it's it's, it's been really good and then I've been on on other trips recently where like everyone's scaring their own thing and there's a big step and they make it up and they just don't even look back to see if the person behind them is struggling and so quite a few times I've been looking at this and been like a little bit disappointed you know or you have someone sick in your crew and people do their own little thing and don't really care about the person that's that's struggling and I've been really upset about it and part of it is because I don't share the same values I think if you go on a trip with someone you should you should care about them because once you're on the river um, you know you rely on them like they will be the one holding the rope if you swim and you have to do the same if they swim so you kind of have to trust them with your life hopefully like you won't reach that point but like you need that trust and I think that's something that I really value about, about these two. And uh, so to bring you back to the original question what do you think you've brought to the team um, like obviously they, they've, they bring a lot to the table that you've benefited from and you're growing as a result of, what do you think is the, the thing, if I was just to ask them, like, what does Nuria bring to the team? I think you'd have to ask them, honestly. I guess like, so. um, But, I mean, I hope I, I can cheese selection bring, and sense of humor. bring some stuff. Uh, probably not cheese selection, you know, like, I mean, away from friends, cheese is pretty crap. <laughs> Let's, let's be honest, I've offended the Americans on that. <coughs> I did a Jackson Kayak Instagram takeover and told them they had really bad cheese and 
a few people like took it really personally and I got hate messages from Americans claiming they have real cheese but uh, they don't because they have to cook their milk for sanitary reasons. So on top of not having good cheese, they're convinced that they have good cheese and it just makes me laugh. What? Oh, you wanted to talk about expedition kayaking? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, what, I wanted what, um, to talk about cheese, man. <laughs> all right, let's keep talking about cheese. What would you say your highlight picnic with Team Picnic has been? Oh. Like, what has been the like, the number one outstanding picnic? What, what what did it consist of? Like, where were you? Uh, I think the one that comes into my mind first would be on the Tong River. We're above this... Um, really stout waterfall that we call Tong Bomb. Uh, and, and I think we're pretty much on the cliffside and it's really uncomfortable and it's really steep and we're just like the three of us really close together because we're kind of on some sort of ledge and when we're just pulling out keeps pulling out some like delicious things off his off his off his dry bag and and People that some like really good cheese, even if it was American, it's like some brie, whatever. It's, it's really good cheese for America. And then he starts pulling out those like gourmet rosemarine crackers. Like the thing that I would never buy because I think it's a rip off, you know. But I was pretty stoked to have them out there. Um, Does Stukesbury always eat the cheese? Because I know he tries to keep the, the vegan lifestyle. Well, at that time he was he was he was still a vegan. Yep. So we had more cheese for ourselves. Oh, sweet. Um, I think no, I don't even think he had a little bit of it. It was it was pretty strict. But um, like Ben is vegan, but what I love about Ben is also never saying no to good things. Mm -hmm. So you travel in Argentina with him and. You know, like Argentina is like the land of asados. Yeah, really good like steaks. Really good meats. Mm -hmm. um, and so when he's out there, it's just adapting to the local culture and kind of, you know, living the good life and not being 100% vegan, but more like a casual vegan. And when it comes back to the States or whenever the meat is like industrial meat and not from like the gauchos in, and raised somewhere up on the, in the Andes, uh, it gets back to his vegan diet. So. so cheese and crackers above a waterfall on a tiny ledge. Yeah. Sick. That's, that's pretty good. That's, I mean, that sounds stand out like a painter, paints quite the picture. Yeah, it's pretty good. We had mangoes on last days and expedition Oof. two before. Oof. And that's, that's pretty legit when like someone passed out a mango and you've been out for six days, you're like, Whoa, yeah. and it's still good. Yeah, that's um, legit. I'm pretty good on the chocolate diet, which means like usually we've, we would have like one full tablet of chocolate uh, per day for two, sometimes for free. Uh, and I've been doubling that up in my personal try bag <laughs> to make sure we never run out of chocolate. Uh, so sometimes, you know, you get scared or it gets intense and I can just like bust out like a Extra tablet rations. of really good chocolate, and these are usually really good. Um, to like segue away from chocolate for a minute, one of the first expeditions you were involved in, 
as a teenager with Marianne Sather, like I think you ended up having to abandon some boats somewhere in Norway and hike for days and days over a mountain. Um, how does that compare to like the more more modern expeditions you've been on? And like, what what did you learn from that like early expedition experience? Was it like made you want to do more suffering like that, or you were like go back to slalom for a bit? Uh, I think that was my first like real expedition and I also think Marianne was kind of crazy for just taking me like I was just a very clueless teenager. Do you want to run people through like the, the rough outline of that story for those who um, are not like familiar? So Marianne tried to do that expedition once. Uh, and it's in like northern Norway or something right? Once or twice before. It's in Norway. It's on the Hutla um, Canyon. It's the deepest canyon in Norway. And Marian had been in there and already hiked out with her boat once before. And I think she really wanted to uh, get back in and, and do it. And initially we had this, I don't know how I got involved in this. I somehow became part of a woman's kayaking group. Things that I usually don't really believe in, <coughs> the river angels. All purple and pink. I don't know. I don't really fit in this. That's but, like the opposite Nuria Newman. But uh, I was, you know, girls. I was kind of like a kid, and Tanya Foen and and Marianne were in it. So they're like, you want to be in? And I'm like, whoa, I can be in a group with Tanya Foen and Marianne Seder. I didn't even think about it. I said yes. And Heather Herbeck was going to come on the trip with us, and then at the last minute she couldn't come, and Marianne decided that we'd still do it. Uh, just the two of us, and you know, obviously, I, I had quite a lot of experience in slalom. I'd been creaking a little bit, but like the creaking I had done was mostly day runs with my dad and his friends, and really, most of the time, they just put me on the live bay and forced me to portage everything, saying that I wasn't over 18, so it was too much responsibility for them to let me run things. Um, so it's like, Marianne taking a pretty clueless teenager into the deepest canyon of Norway. And there's a little bit of rain on the forecast. It's like borderline good water levels. And we decide to drop in anyway. Uh, turns out it rained like way more than the weather forecast. But like, I mean, that was, that was kind of predictable. You know, you're, you're, in, you're in Norway. And so it rained on us, and the river spiked, and we got stuck almost like right at the entry of the deepest part of the canyon, having to hike out. And hiking out with our boats at this point was no longer really an option. So we left our boats and spent almost two days just hiking up and out of the canyon. Um, and it was it was pretty miserable. I think it was a great introduction to expedition kayaking. You know, like I lost a kayak, um, I ripped off my dry pants. It's just all wet from like day one and a half until the very end. I remember like taking off my my kayaking shoes, and I had massive blisters from from hiking up that, that mountain and just like pouring blood 
uh, out of out of my booty and just like fairly sketchy you know like landslides crossing and a bit of free climbing at times and it was it was it was it was pretty miserable but I think it was a very accurate description of what expedition kayaking is is like you go out there and you try to plan everything and sometimes it just doesn't go as planned and you just have to deal with things and part of the reason you want to go out there you want to go out to something you don't know or something you haven't done before is also because you want to find out what's there and so it's just putting yourself in a situation where you don't quite know what to expect and roll with it so in that sense it was great a vi another vivid picture i think people will appreciate that like the the imagery of little like teenage noria pouring butt out of her shoes that's yes that's thinking then i could not wear shoes for days and as wearing barefoot in norwegian supermarkets but you know it's, it's kind of strict so everyone was looking at me weird what um what should young bucks and weekend warriors consider when they decide they want to go do some expeditioning I mean, uh, young bucks, weekend warriors, everyone, like I should probably follow what I, the advice that I give people because I usually think about things that I should do and I never do them, you know. Um, I think preparation is key. Uh, looking at maps, really, like trying to have as much knowledge as you, as you can because even when you do your homework, there are things that are behind your control. Um, now... I think we are very lucky to live in a time where we have access to enrich. Uh, I think one or two enrich in a group is is mandatory. Um, and I'd say you know you you learn on the go, and it just really depends on the river and the situation and the groups. Like, of course, for the basic safety things, you know, like have a pin kit, a rope, a spare rope is not a bad idea, warm clothes. Um, but I'd say like if you need a bigger general advice is never think, never assume that you're good enough, you know. I've been on a, on a trip and it's like class three, four with, with two of two very, very good whitewater kayaker. They didn't take food, they didn't take water drops, they didn't take first aid. And I was like, all right, well, those guys are not taking anything, so I'm going to pack food for free, and I'm going to be way heavier than they are. And then I'm going to have a tarp, and I'm going to have, you know, what I think is important. And at some point, um, I got really annoyed with them, so I got angry at them, and I, I just told them, and they're like, whoa, boo. If we would have known that you would have been annoyed, we would have never accepted things. And I looked at them and I was like, have you ever seen? And they told me literally like, we would have managed. And what they didn't get is that you might have the ability to manage the, the white water. No problem, they're amazing kayakers. And I think it's still a very arrogant um, and disrespectful behavior towards the river to assume 
that you get enough, you know? But take it for granted, they're like amazing characters, so they would have managed the white water. But then I looked at them and I'm like, have you ever seen someone with hypoglycemia? Have you ever had hypoglycemia to a serious extent? Because you're not a superhuman, so let me describe what it will do to you. You'll get dizzy, eventually your vision gets blurry, and if you push it really hard, you start not seeing anything, and it's terrifying. And because they've never really trained, you know, they come from creek boating background, they, they never had that happen to them, so they had no clue. And then I was like, okay, now, that's about food. Now, hypothermia. Do you, can you assume what it does to you? I need to describe it to you. And then I was like, dehydration. And dehydration, basically, you start not functioning, and you end up, like, having spasm on the ground and your muscle contract themselves and like it's super it's super gnarly i've seen someone on a day run that had to hike out and if the road was not far and you know we had a we had a small breakfast and a late start and we're not prepared because <coughs> it was just a chill day run and he got dehydrated and really tired and it was a terrifying thing to watch and so we out there in this river uh, in Asia, so the water's dirty and they don't have anything to filter water. And uh, I think the main advice is to always be prepared for the worst. You know, like have a spare, I don't know, a spare day of food, warm clothes, and never assume that you're too good. Good stuff here. Last three questions, then we're going to call it a day on this one. What is the single biggest mistake in an expedition you've made? Uh, I think, well, I'm, I'm, I don't think, I'm pretty sure uh, going for a sif in Ladakh was uh, the biggest mistake I've made. Terrifying um, video. I think, well, I know, um, you know, I went, you know, I relieved it, I went over, over it, over it many times and I've accumulated small mistakes that led me to this big mistake, you know, like, Maybe I should have prepared more and read more river descriptions, where, which I tend not to do because I hate um, personal blogs of people going on a river. Cause yeah. Can't take it's the fun out of that some, adventure experience. Well, it's always poorly written and it's always like glorifying experience of how gnarly it is. And I don't know, I don't have much fun reading old blogs, except EGs, but you know, because it's. You know, for the most part, I don't like it, and then there's a few really, really good ones that I actually love. Um, but so I should have done that better. Then I bought a map. Turns out the um, the altitude elevation on my map was wrong because bought a map in India. And sometimes you buy things in India, and it's it's not quite accurate. Then Indian customs didn't know what my dry suit was, so they kept it, so I had no dry suit. And I mean, I went anyway <coughs> with a dry top and some sort of nail print pants that I borrowed from the rafting company. Um, and then I didn't really do altitude acclimatation, so I was pretty dizzy and always sleepy and tired because um, I had to go over two 5,500 meter paths on the way there. And on top of that, when I showed up the morning of the drive to 
meet up with the guy that was supposed to drive me at 5 a.m. I found him passed out at the bar, so we ended up living at about like 10, um, which, which would have been totally fine if I didn't feel the need to rush. Um, and then, you know, I tend to have this problem in my kayaking, and I had it in slalom. I had it, you know, like pretty much in all my kayaking since I started as a kid. You know, I couldn't remember like more than five gates in a row. Had to work hard on this. <coughs> I lose focus, and so I just remember looking at like some chamois. They're like cute mountain goats and being, oh, they're so cute, and just like paddling toward this rapid like three minutes later um, and and when I realized oh this is bigger than I want I want to scout it I was already Clifton like this eddies but I could not get out so I was like well rather than catching this eddy and having to do like a very weird ferry into blind corner like I'm gonna read and run it because um, I didn't really know there was a portage because um, I didn't do enough research, like my bad. Um, and then eventually I was reading and running, so not paddling hard enough and kind of, you know, just looking, going slow and got pushed by this reactionary wave straight into this pocket eddy, just feeding into a sieve. So, no good. And the, the kind of follow-up is, question is the opposite question, like what's your best, like, expedition save or, like, expedition plus moment like kind of the opposite of like what's your lowest moment I think all the rest of it has been like a, a really good moment like anything else has been really good you know every time you go on an expedition and and you get to run really good white water surrounded by really good people is, is pretty good but definitely you can't expect to get in there and it's all gonna be like nice you know like sometimes it gets rough and when it get rough like it's harder on the group when it gets harder on the group sometimes you know up, you have like tensions and those are some things that can be like hard to deal with and that's why Boomer and Ben are so good because they can handle my me being a French Grinch or or you know like, I don't know, I, I'd be on a hike on the onion level and just, like, fall on my back, like, I don't know, seven times in a row in the same two hours. And and then, you know, you're hurt because you just fully take a fall on your back and you're stuck in your carrying system on top of that, you know, like, it's such a, like, shameful, awkward position to be in and I would get so angry, you know, like, it would bring up, worst that I have in me and I would start like swearing in French or insulting my boat or you know like really losing my mind and they're able to just look at me and, and laugh and 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 just roll with it whereas I feel like some other people that have been on trips with if, if I'm not like you know my better version um, it usually doesn't go well and I think that's why they're so good, too. And then any final words of wisdom on expedition kayaking before we wrap this up? Not really, just go out there, have fun, 
and you never know what will happen until you go. It might be the worst, it might be the best. Um, and if it is the worst when it's happening, sometimes it becomes some of the funniest memories, you know, like. Um, and try to go with a group that you trust and and try to be there for your team as well. And I think that's about it. I Bring chocolate. <laughs> Heaps of chocolate. Obviously. I mean, unless you don't like chocolate, but like, I think Boomer has a has a great advice when it comes to packing. It's like make free list the very essentials, the things you're probably gonna need, but you could also do without it, but you'd need them. And then one useless item or the useless items. And then you take only the very, very essentials. Everything you might need, but you could do without. You just don't take. And then you take one thing you don't need that's really stupid. And I think that is as good a place as any I can think of to end it. Um, this has been Questions Never Thought to Ask, the Wild Kayaking Podcast, uh, this week with Nuria Newman. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for subscribing on and leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and things. I appreciate you, and I will see you in a future podcast. Peace.